Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello and welcome to the Animal Files. Thanks for joining us. This week, we are going to talk mistakes you might be making with your cat. And believe it or not, there are a lot out there. I personally have made them myself, but when you know better, you do better. So let's start talking about some of the things that us feline enthusiasts may be doing wrong that could be detrimental or adding stress to our cats. Well, let's start off with one of the big ones. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing it on the notes and I am 100% on board with this being like the number one thing that any cat guardian, cat owner should be doing before they even think about bringing a cat into the house. Mm -hmm. How many of you have thought about cat proofing your home? either before you brought any cats home or even after the fact. Have you ever had any problems that has arrived because of potentially not cat proofing your home? And maybe you might not even make the connection because you just didn't have the awareness. But there's a lot of hazards in your home and around your home that can be detrimental to your cat. Mm -hmm. And much like how you think about childproofing your home to keep your baby and your toddler safe. The same holds true for your cats and even your dogs as well. So we're going to just talk about the different areas of the home and some of the different things to consider in these different areas. Your home is a very scary place for your cat. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> and it's also a very intriguing place for your cat. They can get into a lot of places that you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And it's even more of a risk for your cat than it is for your dog, just because of the fact that your cat can pretty much get anywhere. Yeah. They're not limited to the floor. They have liquid bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really, they're mush. <laughs> and they're small too. And a lot of the hazards we don't even think about because a lot of times with our human brain, we don't realize that that small little spot would be enticing for a cat. Mm -hmm. Basically, if their head can fit through something, their entire body can fit through it. Mm -hmm. oh, unless they're fat. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the mistakes I'm sure we're going to get through. <laughs> but a healthy, sleek, svelte cat <laughs> can get into anything. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Let's start with the kitchen. So with the kitchen, cats are not limited to the floor like dogs are. So they can get up onto the counters, they can get up onto the stove, they can get into different cupboards, get up on top of cupboards. On top of the refrigerator. Yeah. And knock things off. Yeah. <laughs> so with cupboards, if you don't put those childproof locks on the cupboards, then your cat could easily learn to open up those cupboards. 
which might not be a big deal, maybe if it's dishes or something like that, but of course they could potentially knock those out and break them. And then they could cut themselves. Plus you end up with a big mess to clean up and the cost of replacing whatever they break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The most important part is underneath the sink, because that's where we put a lot of our chemicals and our cleaners Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, that's definitely the ultimate place that should be locked up. And it's probably not going to be quite as easy for them to get into with the higher cupboards. They could still do it, but probably not going to be as enticing as the lower cupboards. Another risk that could end up happening is with the stove. If you have the stove turned on, or even if you have the oven, because the the top of the stove gets quite hot with the oven turned on, they could jump up on the stove while it's hot and burn themselves. This is where training comes in too. Yes. I've only had to stop my cats from doing that maybe once or twice, but we also have a gas stove. Mm -hmm. So start them early. Right. And the thing with training is that you can't train them so that they can only go on top of the cupboards or the stove or something like that at certain times, because they're not going to understand that. It's either they don't go on it ever or they do. So The best thing is to either train them to stay on the floor when they're in the kitchen. Which is possible. Yeah. I've done it. Or you make the kitchen completely off limits. We've done that too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you can still teach boundaries, an identifiable boundary. And they learn that they don't cross that boundary. It does take work, but it is possible. With a cat, it's not going to be permanent <laughs> until you're home because they will relate that boundary with you. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not there, then you're like, oh, I'm all by myself now. I can do what I want. <laughs> Sneaky little suckers. <laughs> There's two other things with the kitchen. There's the garbage. Mm-hmm. If you don't have something to keep the lid secure on the garbage, they could end up getting in there and trying to get food that smells enticing to them and could end up making them very, very sick. But you also don't want them jumping up onto counters where there might be sharp knives lying around. They could cut themselves while the knife is on the counter, but they could also knock the knife off and end up causing injury that way too, especially if there's another animal that might be down on the floor. So let's go to the living room. The living room has plenty of its own risks as well. One of the things is electrical cords. And this can be a particular risk to kittens when they're teething, because it's something that they might chew on to help soothe their teeth and their gums. This could also happen if they're having some kind of mouth issue as well. So if you see your older cats heading towards something like an electrical cord, you might want to look to see if there might be a health issue in some way. And also they'll play with it. It looks like a little string to them sometimes. So as they're getting older, if you have a teenager that still likes to play with anything it sees, that's another thing that you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. If you have a living room that is, let's say, fairly full, then there could be a lot of little areas that your cat could be trying to get into. They could get stuck. They could injure themselves somehow need to look to see if there's like sharp edges and things like that. But there's also the things that you put in the living room as well. If you are a knitter, for example, and you've got your yarn and your needles sitting out, this can be a really huge enticement to some cats. They could chew on the yarn and swallow some of that and that could cause obstruction or probably not the knitting needles so much because they're fairly big. But if you've got other kind of sewing type of needles in that, those are small and they could potentially 
swallow them or step on them or something like that. My mom's a seamstress. So I'm always picking up needles Mm. to protect her cat (laughs) Mm -hmm. because she can't see them when they fall. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) But you have to pay attention to that. So if you're a sewer, Mm. you knitter, you do needlepoint. And how many of you ladies have purses? What do you do when you come home? Do you come in and dump your purse on the couch or a side table? Or put it on the floor near the door and it's kind of sits there for a while or maybe for the whole night, whatever the case may be. <laughs> there is a whole ton of stuff that could be in your purse that can be a danger to your cat. Never even thought about that. Yeah, because you could be carrying medicine, you could be carrying supplements, you could have cigarettes, you could have makeup. Maybe, yeah, maybe makeup or even like hair stuff. Oh, hair ties. Too. Oh, gosh. Hair, hair ties and stuff. Crazy. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good idea to keep your purse out of reach of your cat. The other areas that we've got are the bathroom, the laundry room, bedrooms, garages, and sheds. Some of that's common sense. Yeah. And it's a good idea to keep your washer and dryer lids closed when you're not using them, because otherwise they could end up getting in there and you may not notice that they're in there. Or the other option is to make sure you look inside thoroughly before you start throwing any clothes in. Because otherwise you could be throwing a bunch of clothes in on top of your animal and taking them for a spin. Mm, Scary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you've kind of seen this in a comical way in some cartoons, but it's not really that funny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, bathrooms are also scary. There's a lot of chemicals in there. Yeah. So the key thing is you need to just really evaluate your entire home. And this also goes for your backyard as well. Look for anything that could be enticing for your cat, areas that they could get into, things that could be toxic for them, things that could cause injury to them. These are all things to think about. The next thing is toxic plants. This is a scary one Mm -hmm. because there's so many plants that are toxic, but some of them can kill your cat. Mm -hmm. We know some of you really love your plants. But if you haven't done your research to find out how these plants can affect your cat, you could end up with a very serious situation. Mm -hmm. For example, a lot of you might like to bring Easter lilies in to your home when it's Easter time. Don't do it. They're lovely plants, but they are enemies for your cat. (laughs) Yeah, it's like one tiny speck of pollen. If they ingest that, it'll put them into kidney failure. Mm Mm-hmm. The chances of you getting them to the vet in time could be very slim. Yeah. So it's not a good idea to take the risk. Essential oils have also become a really big thing for people to use. And not, well, you can get the good quality essential oils and you can get the really not good quality essential oils that you get from the grocery store. Whether it's good quality or not, it can still be very toxic to your animals. And not just ingestion, but smell as well. So there are some essential oils that companies like doTERRA have stated are okay for animals. They've worked with veterinarians and they've sound like they've done their due diligence, but you really need to talk to a professional before you allow your animals to come into contact with any of these essential oils. But there's also a lot of chemical substances. A lot of the cleaners that are out there are very toxic. And unlike humans, where we usually have socks or shoes that separate us from the chemicals, cats have their bare paws touching a floor that's just been washed or maybe getting up onto a counter or something that's just been cleaned. 
Even our clothes could be a potential issue because of the chemicals that we use to wash them, especially the dryer sheets and the uh, fabric softener. Those chemicals can linger into the clothes. And then if your cat wants to cuddle into those clothes afterwards, they could be affected by that. Mm -hmm. So you need to really pay attention to what you're using around them. There's a lot of times where our animals can get sick and we don't really know what's causing the illness. And it could be like a an acute reaction, it could be more of a longer term reaction. I think there's a lot of people too that don't necessarily pay proper attention to vomiting or other signs of ill health. Yeah, a lot of people think of vomiting as normal for cats. And to a yeah. point, it is. They are naturally bulimic. When they get something in their system, they'll naturally try to expel it. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that every time they throw up, it's going to be normal. Mm -hmm. And so you have to really be aware what I've done, this may sound gross, but all your feline guardians out there understand the importance of this. If you find throw up, you look at it. And when you clean it up, look at it again and make sure that it's either a hairball or note the color mm -hmm. because all of that stuff is going to tell you whether there's something wrong. I had a cat mm -hmm. that was throwing up green and I knew that was wrong mm -hmm. and ended up being what was it called? I don't know. It was a parasite. He had to go through exploratory surgery. Oh, wow. It was a massive surgery, but I paid attention to the throw up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I notice my cat is throwing up all food mm -hmm. and there's never anything in it outside of undigested food, mm -hmm. I know that there's either a gas problem or they're getting fed too much mm -hmm. or they're eating too fast. And then sometimes it's just a hairball. Mm -hmm. So you pay attention. And then you can also see, like I knew Maisie, when she ate the poinsettia, I knew it was poinsettia because she threw up and I looked at it and there was a leaf. Mm -hmm. It was just part of a leaf. It wasn't a big leaf or anything like that. So thank goodness she didn't get that much. She was sick for like, you know, three days. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have known that if I didn't look and investigate what was in the throw up. Mm -hmm. Sounds gross, but it's what you got to do. Yeah. Those are all good tips with the signs of ill health too. This is where we've talked about having a pet health journal and that could really help you. Not only does it encourage you to pay more attention to your animals to see if there's something unusual that might be going on, but it also helps you to track to see if anything has changed. Mm -hmm. So you might notice things like maybe your cat is hiding. If you haven't seen your cat for a while, that's something to be concerned about. You know, if you haven't seen them for a few hours, it's a good idea to be looking around for them, trying to figure out where they are. A few hours. If I don't see my cat for an <laughs> hour, I'm looking for them. <laughs> yeah, usually if they're hiding, then something's not quite right with them. Yeah, either they're having a fear response, they're super stressed, or they don't feel well. Mm -hmm. But also look for other signs like, are they having some diarrhea or loose stool? What is the consistency and color of it? Because those are also things to pay attention to. Are they eating or has their eating decreased or increased or they're drinking? Those are also things to be aware of. So there's a lot of things to be concerned about because if you can pay attention to these things, you can catch problems a lot sooner and you can start treatment much earlier if it's needed. And then that leads into not providing regular veterinary care. Kitties need doctors too. Mm -hmm. They should be taken at least once a year for a regular vet check. Twice a year is even better. Yeah, but we know that that's a little expensive. Mm -hmm. So the bare minimum. 
is once a year, just to get a benchmark of what my animal's health was at this particular time. Mm -hmm. Make sure the blood's okay. Make sure the skin's okay. Make sure you're not missing something because sometimes we all do it. We miss things. A vet has an educated eye. Mm -hmm. They can see things that we don't see. Have a vet look at your cat once a year Mm -hmm. at the very minimum. Mm -hmm. During that visit, they can also check their teeth and their mouth to see what their dental hygiene is like. But you don't want to leave that just for once a year. The once a year checkup is good for checking for things like gum disease, tartar buildup, and other potential issues. But there are things you can do at home, which will help to minimize those problems in the first place. It may not seem like a fun job and may not be something you really want to do. You can have a groomer do it, but that's going to be really stressful for your cat to have to take them to a groomer on a regular basis. So it's a really good idea to get them used to having their teeth brushed or their gums massaged on a daily basis, if possible. The younger you can start them, the easier it's going to be for them to adapt to it. But if daily is too difficult, then try for three times a week or at least once a week if you're starting out and then build up to more frequent. And you can get your vet to help you with this. They can show you how to do it. And you don't want to be forceful about it. You don't want the cats to be associating it with a horrible experience. No, and I think they make a cat toothpaste that tastes good for the cats. Yeah. So it could be a treat. Yeah, yeah. And you would just start with your little finger to begin with, because it's it's the smallest. So it's not going to seem to take up as much room in their mouth. And maybe in the beginning, all you might be able to do is just kind of get your finger in there for a second and sort of just rub around maybe one of their canine teeth or something like that. And it might only last for a couple of seconds before they try to pull away. Let them pull away. Don't force them and keep trying to put your finger back in there because that's just going to turn them off and you're never going to get them to where you want them to be. can try again in maybe an hour or something. Maisie's. She's the second cat I've had that has really, really healthy teeth. And I think it's because she she was on boxes. She likes the feel of her teeth going into cardboard. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know. But what it does is it helps scrape her teeth off Mm. because she's not eating the box. Mm -hmm. She's just putting her teeth in it. So it goes into the cardboard and she comes out. So I have like teeth marks everywhere. But (laughs) maybe it also massages her gums and maybe that feels good. It's something. And we also do dental treats. And make sure that she chews them because mm-hmm. dental treats are not going to work if they don't chew them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bust a myth right here. Dry food is not better for a cat's teeth because most cats who only eat dry food don't chew their food. They inhale it. So they're not getting the benefit of the crunching. Mm-hmm. They may crunch one or two times, but they're swallowing an awful lot. Hence the reason why your cat may be throwing up undigested food. Mm-hmm. They don't have the molars to properly chew it. Now, can they chew their food? Yeah, they can, but it's not what their teeth were designed to do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tricks out there. So if you have an older cat that will never let you touch their teeth, talk to your vet and see what they recommend. Mm-hmm. And you can talk to animal behaviorists as well, because They help with those kinds of challenges to be able to teach an animal to gradually accept something. So they can also provide some tips and tricks. That's just one part of grooming. There's another part where a lot of people, I think, don't brush and groom their cat. I think it's more common for the long-haired cats and maybe the medium-haired cats. 
But I think most short-haired cats hardly ever get brushed. Yeah. I I would guess. We've had cats that love being brushed that were short hair. Mm. Maisie doesn't like being brushed. Mm. And I think it's because she's got really short, fine hair. Mm. There's not real density there. So when you brush her, you're going right to her skin. I don't think she likes that feeling. Mm. I use my hand a lot to at least distribute the oils through her fur. Right. But yeah, some cats just don't like it. So you just got to work with what you can. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of different types of brushes and combs and other tools out there that you can try as well, because maybe one will be accepted over another. But using your hands is good too, because you can just massage their body and they may not need to have a lot of loose hair groomed out. And the massage might be just beneficial enough for them as it is. But the benefit of the brushing is not only to help remove loose hair and stimulate the skin and muscles and blood circulation and all of that, but it also can help improve their health and bonding with them in general. You know, again, it's one of those things that you don't want to force on them. You want it to be a positive experience. So, mm-hmm. and cats will naturally groom each other if they have a feline friend. So, if you're trying to build a bond with your cat, you grooming the cat and the cat grooming you back is actually the same emotion or the same connection mm-hmm. that a cat would have with another cat. Mm-hmm. Grooming also should include checking and cleaning their ears, eyes, and nose as well. Mm-hmm. Because with ears, they could get ear mites, especially if they are exposed to the outdoors. Some of these cats will have eyes that will tear and stain their fur. There is products out there that can help with that. Always good to find out at source why their eyes leak so much, because a lot of times that can be based on nu- nutrition mm-hmm. or health. I also don't like it when they get the goobers in the eyes. Mm -hmm. And if it's there, I clean it out. Mm -hmm. Just clean it out. Yeah. Clipping nails is also part of the grooming process. And a lot like the brushing or any of these grooming procedures, you just kind of approach it the same way if they're not used to it. Little by little. Another thing you could be doing is you could be bathing your cat unnecessarily. I know a lot of people that do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless they're not able to groom themselves properly or they get into something, it's not necessary. The brushing is the most critical thing, especially if they're the long hair type. And if your cat is sick, do not bathe them. Get pet wipes that are safe for cats. When Frankie was transitioning, he lost control of his bowels like the day or two before he actually passed. Mm -hmm. I got wipes from my vet. You know, he wet himself and me. And I would just wipe them down. I would never give them a bath. Mm. And if a cat's got a upper respiratory infection, you give them a bath, you can give them pneumonia and you can kill your cat. Mm. Good point. So it's, it's, I've really found no reason to bathe your cat unless they get really dirty. Like when I first moved into my first apartment, when I moved to New York, I had a fireplace. One of my cats got in the fireplace. I had to clean that soot off of her. (laughs) and it happened a few times until we moved out of that house (laughs) and that was the only time I washed them ever was if they got covered in dirt and soot Mm. you don't have to wash your cat Mm -hmm. you just don't and be aware if you take your cat to a groomer's which I don't really recommend for cats at all no but they've got some some techniques that I don't really agree with because I I saw this one video where this groomer had basically put this kind of helmet thing on the cat so that it couldn't bite or something. And that's not helping the cat. That just makes it even more stressed. Yeah. 
So this one is also a really big one. <laughs> yes. And we're going to try not to, we're going to run out of time here. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is one of my pet peeves. This is a big one. So we'll run through most of them. And if there's one that I find, you may see me step up on a box mm-hmm. and I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> These are mistakes that I think most people with cats make is that they do not have enough litter boxes for the number of cats that they have, particularly male cats, because male cats, they don't like to share. They don't like to share. And for whatever reason, sometimes they want to do their urinating in one litter box and their bowel movements in another litter box. Yeah. I've actually had to have three litter boxes at once when I had three cats. My spike only used one box, never used the other box. Akira only used his box, never used Spike's box. And Tic Tac would just use whatever, but she never really used Spike's litter box. She just didn't care. Female cats are a little bit less fastidious in that way. Mm-hmm. They would not touch each other's litter boxes. And mm-hmm. I think that probably goes back to the whole instinctual mm-hmm. territorial thing. Yeah. So what these different ones that we're going to run through, if you've noticed that your cat is going to the bathroom in places that is not a litter box, these could be the reasons why, besides the fact that they could also be sick, which is also something you need to look into. Or your house looks like a litter box (laughs) and you don't discipline your cat. All right. Sorry. (laughs) All right, let's go. So another issue that could be is that you might not be cleaning your litter boxes frequently enough. Now think about if you don't flush your toilet for a day or more and the smell that might start coming from it. Well, cats' noses are even more sensitive than ours. And if the ammonia smell or the the bowel movement smell is too strong for them, they're not going to be inclined to use that litter box. No. Especially if it is a covered litter box, because that's going to hold the smell in even more. Yeah. And clay litters tend to hold the smell too. Mm. So that could be the next one. The wrong, you're using the wrong type of litter. Yeah. Because cats are sensitive to texture as well. So you could be using the wrong type and size of box. But also if the box is too small, you know, if when they're standing in it, if the box is within their tail to nose distance, it's too small. They should be able to squat and not touch any of the sides of the litter box. My seven pound cat's got a box that's like three feet by two feet. It's huge. <laughs> Absolutely huge. It's the hugest litter box I've ever found. And I, it, she loves it. Mm-hmm. And it's got nine, nine inch walls. She, she loved it. <laughs> she can dig to her heart's content, doesn't make a mess. But we also have another one. It's still large, but yeah, we have two litter boxes right next to each other for a seven pound cat. (laughs) Again, she owns the house. We just live here, (laughs) but we've noticed that there's a lot of idiosyncrasies with the individual cats. Mm -hmm. Frankie would go back and forth between box to box to box to box to box before he decided which one he was going to use. They're quirky like that. So if you don't have enough boxes, if they're not the right size, if they can't get to it quick enough. So we got two more here I'm, and I'm getting on a box. I know I'm getting on a box <laughs> as we're talking about boxes, <laughs> <laughs> but you have to pay attention to your cat and not have litter boxes in places that are convenient for the human. 
If you do that, you are going to have cats peeing all over your house. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a problem on your hands and your house is going to smell like pee. Mm-hmm. If you wonder why if you walk into somebody's house and their house smells like the proverbial cat, mm-hmm. it's because they are doing one of these things wrong. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. I've had 12 cats at one time and my house has never smelled like pee. Mm-hmm. So you could be putting the litter box way too far away, making it like a mile for your cat to have to go to the washroom. That's not fair to the cat. No. So many people will put the litter box in the basement, especially unfinished basements, because they're like, oh, it's away from everything. You're not going to be able to smell it. I'm not going to have to really worry about it. Well, you're making it really inconvenient and really unappealing for your cat Imagine what you'd feel like if you had to go to a dark, dank basement every single time you needed to go to the bathroom. Guaranteed, if you are doing that, you are not cleaning that litter box. Yeah, because it's out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. This is the biggest problem. You don't want to smell the litter box? Well, guess what? Your house is going to smell like a litter box if you do crap like this. Sorry, I'm getting feisty. You have to put the cat in mind. You have to give them a bathroom where they spend most of their time. Mm-hmm. You don't like having a house that only has one bathroom for five, 10 people. Mm-hmm. I know that's an exaggeration, but seriously. The bathroom is actually a good place for them to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And my whole, my whole childhood, we always had a bathroom that was just, just big enough that we could put the litter box in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And of course it makes it easier to clean because it's right there in a public room where you use all the time. There's just so many things that you can do to avoid bathroom and behavioral Mm -hmm. issues with your cat. And far too many people are putting litter box in the wrong location, like the basement or on the complete opposite side of the house where they spend most of their time. Or where it has a lot of traffic. If there's constant traffic moving around, that's not a really ideal situation for going to the bathroom. You want to be able to relax. Yeah, it should just be a a far off corner Mm -hmm. in a common room Mm -hmm. where they spend most of their time. My spike just mentioned him. He had eye issues. We couldn't even enter the room when he was using the litter box because it would freak him out. And then he would end up trying to pee somewhere else. So when he was in that litter box, we would stop and we would stay in the other room until he finished. Mm. And then we'd walk past. And that cat never peed once outside the litter box when he was in my house for two years. And he was going to be put to sleep because he was peeing everywhere in the house he was in previously. Simple changes. Mm-hmm. Putting the cat first. Well, that... <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm done. At least with yeah. that one. <laughs> we'll wrap it up with uh, the last one before the break here. And that's if you choose to not train your cat or believe you can't train your cat, then essentially you're allowing them to train you. Yes. So you can train desired behaviors in your cat. You can limit access to areas in your home. You can teach them to walk on a leash. You can teach them tricks. Some people have even taught cats to use the toilet. They're quite capable of learning. They have to have the right incentive and you have to have the relationship with them. And the patience. Yeah. Guaranteed. If you put the cat first, that cat will respect you just like a dog will respect its owner. You just have to provide the environment for that to flourish. And with that, we're going to go to break. See you in a bit. 
Hi everyone, as season two of The Animal Files comes to a close, Miranda and I want to thank you all so much for hanging out with us over the last two years. We are looking forward to all of the great stuff we have planned in 2023. And if you like what we're doing here and want to support us further, head on over to patreon.com slash the Animal Files official and consider becoming a patron. You can also pop over to our website www.theanimalfilespodcast.com to give a one-time donation or to grab yourself some merch. Now let's get back to our show. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. You're listening to The Animal Files. We are talking about mistakes you could be making with your feline. We talked about a bunch. Got on a big soapbox, which is fine. I promise I'll be good. I'll be good. (laughs) We're just going to continue moving on. We're not here to blame anybody. No, definitely not. I've had a lot of cats in my life Mm. and I've done better with every single cat I've owned. And that's all we're asking is to just do better with every cat you own and do better with the one you have right now. And there's always new information that is developing as we learn to understand animals more and more. So it's not about whether you are being a bad cat mom or dad. It's just about being open-minded and learning that, oh, I didn't realize that that was something that would be good to do. Okay, maybe that's something I can change. Exactly. Just asking you to put the cat first. Think about it from their perspective. Hence the cat proofing we talked about. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about living spaces. Mm -hmm. Segue from cat proofing. (laughs) It extends into their living spaces. What's Mm -hmm. comfortable for them when we don't provide spaces for our felines, you could be causing some issues. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of cases, people with cats will inadvertently make their home so that it's comfortable for themselves but not really think about how that's going to affect their cat's comfort. So they might have maybe at minimum a cat tower, maybe a scratching post, some toys, their litter box and their food dishes. And that's for the most part, the extent of it. But there's other things that should be considered as well. For example, one of the things that cats really like is a place where they can hide. We want to be concerned if they're hiding for a long period of time, but they do like den-like places. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to be expensive. You could just get like a bunch of cardboard boxes that you sort of pile together in the living room with some holes cut out that they can kind of climb into and sit in there and it just has the place for them to peer out. There's also plush ones that you can buy. So it's just a way to create a place of security for them. Yeah. And variety is the key with cats. They like a variety of places Mm -hmm. and you don't need to be fancy smancy. There are DIY cat cubbies that are so easy. You just take a square box, put a t-shirt over it. Mm -hmm. They love stuff like that. Mm. You can choose your color. You can do whatever. I have made beds with just polar fleece. I got at a fabric store and a towel. They love it. Mm -hmm. Felted caves big open beds. Mm -hmm. Variety is the spice of a feline life. Yes. The things that you do have to be careful of though, when you get these things is to make sure that they're 
isn't going to be any sharp edges, like particularly if you're making something with wood um, that could create maybe splinters, that also that the material you're using is not toxic for them if they decide they want to chew on it. So there's a couple of things to think about for that. Yeah. And then of course, there's the basics, temperature, Mm -hmm. access to sunlight. Mm -hmm. They like to be warm. They like to be cozy, but they also like to be Mm -hmm. cooled down if it's too hot. They don't like a lot of noise. They don't like a lot of traffic. They may be in a corner and observing the whole room, but they don't want to be sleeping right in the middle where people walk. Mm -hmm. And aside from cat trees, you could put different perches around the walls of your home. Now, of course, that's not maybe going to fit in with your decor, but that's something that you really should be thinking about before you get a cat in the first place. But there are some really cool designs that I've seen out there where people have catified, and this is actually a term that has been developed. They've catified their home and made all of these climbing areas and different spaces for their cat. Their cat could go from one side of the room to the other side of the room and not have to go on the floor at all. They love that. Now, I have a small house. It's got a lot of furniture, so I don't have a lot of wall space to do all that stuff but my cats (laughs) use the furniture like Maisie will go from the window to the radiator to the printer to the box (laughs) to the piano across the piano (laughs) instead of going onto the floor they prefer an indirect route sometimes Mm -hmm. that means they don't have to jump on the floor (laughs) and I know we've talked a little bit about how cats basing it from the wild cats, how they could be tree dwellers or ground dwellers or bush dwellers. So you appeal to those different types of personalities. They just do what feels good to them in the moment and allowing them the space to enjoy that instinctual drive to be midway up on the floor, up high is going to help them have a more enriched life. Mm -hmm. For those of you who like to let your cats out, (laughs) a way that you can create a comfortable and safe living space for them outside so that they are not being put at risk of car chemicals and being hit by a vehicle and interacting with wild animals or being attacked by other cats who are trying to fight their domain or whatever the case may be. If you want to protect them, you could consider creating a catio. There are amazing options out there. I'm so excited about <laughs> I, I want a catio so bad. We did interview a person who does catios. Mm-hmm. And we learned an awful lot about how exciting the world of catio building is. Oh yeah. They are so knowledgeable about it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's awesome. So check out that podcast. So the next place you could be making a mistake is that you might not be respecting your cat's true nature or their physical space. Yeah. That'll get people all the time. If you don't give your cat physical space, Mm -hmm. just like humans have their own physical space that is their comfort zone. If another human gets into your bubble and you know, as soon as they get into your bubble, Mm -hmm. you know how uncomfortable you feel. Well, cats are the same way. So it's learning to know what their bubble is and seeing whether they're allowing you into their bubble at any particular time. Yeah. Just know that cats do not see very well close up. So you're fitting a cat's face They're not going to be able to see your face 
So that may have them pull back and you might actually scare them if you do it too quick. They do not have good close-up vision. Mm -hmm. So remember that their eyes are not designed for that. Their eyes are designed for movement and to see far away. So if you're really close in their bubble and they react a certain way, it's because they can't see you. Mm -hmm. All they know is there's something big in their face. Story time. Cats sleep with their eyes open. Okay. That's just something they do. Not always, but they do. One day, my husband did that. Went right up to give her a kiss. She was sleeping with her eyes open. He thought she was awake and he scared the pants off her. She jumped six feet out of her skin, knocked over a fan, broke it, and her heartbeat was going so fast. It took me a while to calm her down. Wow. Yeah. You have to understand that the cat has a bubble (laughs) and it must be (laughs) respected where you're going to have scratches. You're going to have broken stuff. You're going to give your cat a heart attack. Maybe not literally, but close to it. And some of the behaviors that you may have felt frustrated by may actually just be their natural instinctual nature. So it's learning to find out what is natural and instinctual for them and finding a way for them to display that in a way that is beneficial for them and is not going to cause an issue for you. So you need to find that balance. Insert the reminder, scratching is normal. Mm. They need to do it. It's not something they do for fun. They're not trying to ruin your furniture on purpose. They need to do it for their paw and nail health. So you need to divert that to something that is also appealing or maybe more appealing Mm. instead of trying to stop them from doing it because stopping them from doing it, it's going to cause stress. Mm -hmm. And that is one mistake a lot of people make. Yeah. And most likely you're not going to be able to stop it. They're going to find some place to do it. Oh yeah. They just won't do it when you're around. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's a necessity. They have to do it. It's just the way their feet are designed. Mm -hmm. This is another one that is often neglected, particularly with cats, Mm -hmm. is they are not provided or encouraged to exercise or they don't get enough enrichment activities. Yeah. People just let cats do whatever they do. Yeah. And this is also where you end up with overweight cats because there could be a combined thing where you're not monitoring their nutrition properly, but also not getting enough exercise or movement. That's a big thing. If your cat is getting fatter and fatter and fatter, you're either feeding them way too much. They have a health issue or you're not playing with them. Mm -hmm. Those are the only three reasons. And playing with toys and that is not the only way you can interact with them. And don't expect them to just play by themselves. They might do it a little bit, but that's not necessarily very exciting for them. And they could get bored with that pretty easily. Yeah. Much like a toddler would. I toss my cat's toys in the air and she chases them, catches them. Yeah. That's what we do. (laughs) I don't use the string toys because she likes to ingest strings, Mm -hmm. but I just pick up a toy and toss it in the air and she jumps up and gets it. My husband will, I don't know how he does it because I can't do it with her, but they will chase each other around the house. Mm. She'll actually enjoy being chased by my husband (laughs) and he's six foot two. (laughs) It's very strange, but you know, it entertains them. And then we also use her feeding. I'll take the food and just roll it on the floor and she chases it. (laughs) We make sure that we're giving her proper enrichment. Mm And training and puzzles are also ways that you can provide enrichment. Mm -hmm. 
Chris Katz might get bored with that if it's too hard. <laughs> yeah, you do have to find the right level for them. <laughs> because it was like, what are you making me do this? What? No, thank you. See ya. I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> They're just little humans in fur. That's all they are. <laughs> At least that's how they act most of the time. How about how you feed them? Mm, speaking about enrichment food. Yes. <laughs> Cats can be very, very finicky when it comes to food. And sometimes this can lead to their caregivers changing their food on a regular basis to try to find something that their cat is going to eat. But on the other hand, cats can also be creatures of habit Mm -hmm. and don't like change. So this makes it a little bit of a challenge. The best thing is if when they're a kitten, you expose them to different types of food so they get used to different types. That's what we did. And it got expensive. Yeah. (laughs) But we found what works. So it took a little while, but we found what works. (laughs) But if you've got an older cat who goes off of one of the foods you're feeding them, and then you're trying to find something else, the problem with changing food too suddenly is that their digestive system can be very sensitive and may not respond well to the new food. It takes time. You just have to slowly introduce new foods, especially if it's kibble. Mm -hmm. Like don't just change the kibble right away. Yeah. Yeah. You just basically need to mix it and you have, you start with more of the old food and add in a little bit of the new food. And then you gradually switch the, the quantities as you go along. Yeah. That also, if you change it too quickly, if that is the mistake you're making, you can also be causing issues within their body, liver issues, kidney issues, intestinal issues, like Miranda just said. There's a lot that goes into how a cat digests their food. Mm. It's different from a dog. It's different from us. Mm. So if you change it too quickly, you could be causing an issue. Mm-hmm. Always do things slowly. But you also need to watch how much time there is between their eating because They should not be going more than 24 hours without food. They can get fatty liver disease from that. So you really need to be monitoring how often they're eating, regardless of whether you're changing food or not. Just pay attention. Every time you feed them, are they eating? And then how do you store your cat's food? I think that a lot of people might store their food in these plastic containers that may or may not have secure lids on them. So sometimes cats will dump them and they'll end up having free feeding, which is not good for them. But the problem with putting food directly into these plastic containers is that you might lose track of how old the food is. So you don't know when it actually expires unless you keep the package nearby so that you can see. The other thing is, is that I think think that when food gets low in these containers, a lot of people will buy a new package and then just dump that on top of the old food that's still sitting at the bottom of the container. Well, that old food will end up getting rancid and going off, and then it's going to contaminate the food that you've just put on top of it. So you don't want to combine any old food with new food. Make sure you finish one before you add the other one, and also make sure you clean the container each time before you put new food in. Because that oil can go rancid. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually having that issue because Maisie is not food motivated. Mm -hmm. It takes her forever to go through a bag of kibble. Mm -hmm. 
the food that we have right now. Well, honestly, I don't even know how old it is, but it's, it's in an airtight container. So I don't have to worry about it going bad too quickly, but mm-hmm. we have to figure something out. We have all this food. I still have a bag in my pantry that isn't even opened yet. Mm. And it's going to take her probably 12 months to go through that bag. Hmm. If we even get there, because I still have half of the old bag left. Oh, wow. Maybe you might have yeah, to donate does- that food somewhere. <laughs> We, we may have to do something. I mean, we have a, a little kibble bowl in, in here in the office and one in the living room and she just, she only eats like five pieces and then she walks away from it. Mm. I mean, she eats it, but five pieces at a time. <laughs> <laughs> She's very strange, but yeah, we have to make adjustments somehow. Mm-hmm. Location is another thing that you need to pay attention to with food. Well, both with wet food and kibble, Mm -hmm. because with kibble, if you have it in a storage place that it's a warmer temperature, it's going to probably go off and rancid much more quickly than if you store it in a cooler place, despite what the expiration date says. But with wet food, you don't want to give your cat wet food in the morning and leave it out all day for them because wet food can also go off if it's sitting out for too long. Yeah. So you want to make sure you give them a reasonable amount of time to eat it and then either put the rest back in the fridge if it's not too long a time or throw the rest out. Yeah. And yes, you will waste a lot of food and that's okay because it's about your cat, not about your pocketbook. Well, and it's probably going to be a lot less expensive that way than if you have to take your cat to the vet because they got sick from food that's gone off. Exactly. So this is going to be a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I am seeing my soapbox rise up from the floor. (laughs) I often will see comments and challenges related to cats and drinking. (laughs) And there could be a lot of reasons why these challenges could be coming up. And I know that Victoria has a lot of stories related to this because of all the cat experiences she's had. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to start it off. No matter how many times you see your cat go to the water bowl, cats by nature are not efficient drinkers. They will get water when they drink it but they're not efficient at it. If you go onto YouTube and you see how a dog drinks water, you will see that they cup a whole bunch of water with their tongue and then bring it into their mouth. Cats don't do that. And on top of that, cats also have that spiked tongue. Mm. Their tongue works completely differently. So they can't bring in a lot of water like a dog does. It's more like lap, lap, lap not a very efficient way of drinking. Mm-hmm. And I believe actually cats will curl their tongue the opposite way when they drink. Yeah, they curl it up instead of back. Yeah, so the, the water does not stay on their tongue. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that in consideration. A cat cannot just have one water bowl in the house. I'm just going to go off all this stuff. So oh, all of our little notes here, go I'm just going to go one right <laughs> there. So if you only have one water bowl for your cat or for multiple cats, that is mistake number one. You need to provide water in every place that the cat spends its time. If you have to have four water bowls in a small house, you have four water bowls in a small house. I have a small house. I have a small cat, but I have three water bowls and one is huge. I have them in all the places where she spends most of her time. 
it's important. She drinks out of every single one of them and I refill them all the time. So I know she's drinking a lot of water. That's the first mistake. The second mistake is not having fresh water. If you just leave the bowls sitting there for days and days and they're not drinking a lot of water, on the bottom of that water bowl is something called a biofilm. It's basically bacteria that comes from the cat's mouth. It settles in the bottom of the water bowl and the water goes off. Pretty yucky, I think. It's pretty gross. (laughs) It's pretty gross. Every time you fill the water bowl, you pick it up and you clean it with soap and water. Rinse it out good, fill it back up, put it back down. The water needs to be fresh. A cat will not want to drink stagnant water. They're just as finicky with their water as they are with their food. Using the wrong type or size of water bowl, cats get something called whisker fatigue. If the water bowl is too small, it's going to irritate their whiskers and they're not going to want to drink out of it. Make sure the water bowl is big enough. And also, you have to make sure the water bowl is full. Because of this whisker fatigue, they need to be able to get the water right near the surface of the bowl. That also helps them because like I said before, they cannot see close up. So they don't know where the water level is. Mm -hmm. So if they're trying to figure out where the water level is, you're going to cause even more whisker fatigue. They're not going to want to drink out of that bowl. And then you're going to end up having a cat that's dehydrated and that'll eventually turn into kidney problems. And then the last thing is not finding out what temperature your cat prefers. There are some cats that don't like cold water. First of all, cold water is not really good for the cats because it can cause bloating, but you also need to pay attention to the cat. Find out what they like. They might only want room temperature water. Mm -hmm. I'm going to add one more thing and then I'll get off my box. Mm -hmm. If you can, do not feed your animals tap water. Unless your city has redone the pipes or town has redone the pipes and you know the pipes doesn't carry lead, doesn't have heavy metals, isn't too soft, don't do tap water. Use spring water or filtered water. Yeah, that's a bit of a challenge too, though, because not everybody's going to have access to that. And some people might think, oh, I should go buy bottled water and give that to the cats. Well, then that's also going to create an environmental challenge if you do that. Yeah. No, the best thing is that to budget and buy yourself a filtered water pitcher. Mm-hmm. We have one from the company Shackley and it even alkalinizes the water, which is even better mm-hmm. because then if they have any inflammation in the body, it'll help rid any inflammation. Mm-hmm. Here's story time again. This is one of the mistakes that I made previously and that I had learned from. I had a cat. They always got tap water because it was just easier for me. We went to one of his routine veterinary appointments and found out that he had fatty liver disease. Oh, from drinking tap water? Wow. That's what I found out after I did some tracking and, and research. I was like, what the heck? I mean, he didn't lose any massive amounts of weight. He, we didn't change his diet. We, there was nothing that would lead us to believe that he had fatty liver disease. Hmm. And I did some research on my own and found out that heavy metal poisoning can cause fatty liver. Oh, wow. I have hard water. I switched him from tap water to filtered water and his liver cleared up hmm. in a very short amount of time. Hmm. So if you treasure your cat's health, you will do what you need to do to provide them 
the highest quality water possible. Fresh, room temperature, filtered. Those are the three things that I have found with my experience that have been the best for my cat or cats since I've had many. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a, there's a lot of people make a lot of mistakes with water. On that same vein, a big mistake that a lot of people do is they give their cats milk or dairy. Yep. Their bodies can't process that. A little bit is fine. Too much of it, they're going to have digestive issues. Mm. Cheese too. Cats love cheese. Cats love yogurt. I get it. And ice cream. Yeah, and ice cream. Cats are naturally lactose intolerant. So keep that in mind. You may be hurting your cat by constantly giving them milk. Whether they like it or not, it's not good for them. You wouldn't let your kid have candy every single day, all the time, just because he likes it, right? We hope not. (laughs) Yeah, we hope not. (laughs) The same goes for your cat. All right. Now that's my soapbox moment. (laughs) I I will step down. I've had to this show. We'll close out the show with some less triggering topics. <laughs> well, maybe this next mistake is actually something that I just recently became aware of because I never really thought about it, but allowing your cat to have access to smaller pets, particularly when there's nobody monitoring them could end up causing one of those smaller pets to go missing. Yeah. Cats are naturally hunters and yes, hunters and prey in a domestic situation, can develop friendships. Mm -hmm. It is possible, but it's not always the case. Depends on how close to your cat's instinctual nature they are. Yeah. So if you've got pets like fish or hamsters or mice, these could be creatures that could trigger your cat's hunting instinct. So you want to be aware of that. The last one is declaw. A big one. (laughs) Yes, it's a big one. But luckily, a lot of places are choosing to make it an illegal thing to do now. Why is it a mistake? Well, because for one thing, people are doing it because they're making it about themselves because they don't want to deal with their cat's natural behavior. Mm -hmm. But secondly, it's because you're amputating the first knuckle of your finger. Basically what you're doing to them, you're amputating up to the first knuckle. That, in my mind, is cruel. Yes. It's like somebody saying, oh, I'm going to cut off your hand because I don't want to risk you grabbing something off this counter. Yeah. I want my remote all to myself. You can't have it. So I'm going to cut your hands off. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a little extreme, but. But it is extreme. Yeah. It is extreme. You're amputating your cat's feet to save your couch. Stupid. It's stupid. Okay. I'm getting on the box. But it's stupid, not to mention you're going to cause so many muscular imbalances. We talked about that a little bit when we're talking about dogs and their claws, not having them groomed properly. Mm -hmm. You're going to cause a lot of pain within the, the feet and ask any human amputee. They have phantom pains. Mm -hmm. The limb that got cut off still feels like it's there neurologically. You're doing that to your cat. You're causing extreme stress. Because you want to have a nice couch. Mm-hmm. Why? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go off. So I'm just going to step down. <laughs> yeah. And cats can develop other physical issues in their paws as a result of the amputation as the years go by and ultimately could end up causing them problems with walking, but it could also cause them psychological issues. Mm-hmm. 
even with humans, not all human amputees end up dealing well with the loss of a limb. So, you know, really think about it before you decide if that option is still available where you live. And if your vet still does it, mm-hmm. choose another vet. It's not about you. It's about the cat. Yeah. Plain and simple. All right, man, this, this show's coming <laughs> really spicy. <laughs> I apologize if I offend anybody, but I'm all about the health and the wellness of your feline. And I just want to see you guys do what you need to do to give them the best, healthiest, happiest life mm-hmm. possible because they are people too. And most people put themselves before the cat and the cat loses its voice. And it's up to us to give that back to them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully all of you listening have found this information helpful and are going to be willing to make any changes where it might be necessary. Yeah. Do you know where we stand? We're not trying to make you do what we do. We would like you to do what we do. But the whole point of this show is to give you all the information, let you know where you're making the mistakes unknowingly and do better. That's all it is. Do better now that you know better. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions with any of this stuff, you can always reach out to us. We have an email, the animal files podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Patreon's really good because you can help support the show. (laughs) (laughs) patreon facebook and instagram are all at the animal files official on those three platforms twitter is at the animal files and we also have our website the animal files podcast.com and please also let us know if there's any particular topics that you'd like us to address because we're here to help you and We have our own passion, our own ideas that we want to share that we think is important, but we also want to be able to hear what you want us to talk about. Yeah, because it is ultimately about you. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. How can you thrive? So that was a pretty heavy show. (laughs) I don't think we expected it to be as heavy. (laughs) (laughs) But there's an awful lot of mistakes that we've all made. And so... We're just trying to do better for our feline friends. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Same place, same time. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Season two ends next week, but the Animal Files will be back with a brand new season in 2023 with more great interviews and topics to help keep your animals safe happy and healthy each and every week. In the meantime, you can head on over to our website at www.theanimalfilespodcast.com and check out our growing list of resources and to stay connected with us on our socials. See you next week.